Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. excited to get into this story. I think uh, this is going to be a good story for us to look at again. God's going to speak some things to us. And uh, today's already feeling really different, but really good. And um, it's going to continue to be that way. Uh, to quote our, our, our famous and our favorite TV Jesus, get used to different. Get used to different. So, hey, before we dive into the message, let's pray. And uh, with our prayers, can you just make sure you include the Seahawks? Because it's a big day for the Seahawks today. So is that okay? We pray for the intercede for the Seahawks so they can make it to the playoffs. I'm just kidding. I would never do that. Never. Let's pray. <laughs> Lord, please forgive me because I just lied. And thank you for your grace. And Lord, I thank you for huh, this story. God, I just think you're going to speak some things to us as individuals, as families, as a church. God, we want to be the church that you've called us to be. We want to do church the way you want us to do this thing. But we want to get caught up in traditions. We don't want to get caught up in ruts and routines. We want to be spirit-empowered, spirit-filled, spirit-led men and women of God who see you move in a greater way this year in our lives. That's my prayer, Lord. Move in a greater way, Lord Jesus. Lord, prepare our hearts right now for all that you have for us, Lord. We come to you and we, we just say, God, we need you. We recognize right now we need you. We're asking for you to move and do a new thing beginning today, in these next couple of weeks, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. I want to give a, a shout out and, and love and congratulations to Phil and Virginia. Today is their 67th, is that right? 67th wedding anniversary. Been married 67 years. That, yeah, to the same person. You're still married to your, yeah, to your first wife, Phil, right? Yeah. 67 years. We just congratulate you on that. And uh, I also want to say this. Next Sunday night is a big night for us as a community. It is team night. Yeah. And I want to invite all of you, all of you, to join us. Everybody online, come and join us right here next Sunday night, 6 o'clock. It's team night, and it's for everybody. I'm going to share some new things, some exciting things, and just kind of talk about the year, where we're at as a church, and it's going to be great information. We'll all gather together, and then all the different ministries meet, and so if you're serving in a ministry, your ministry is likely meeting, is going to meet, so you want to be here so you can be a part of your team meeting after we all meet. Uh, maybe you're not serving anywhere. It's a great place to come, and we'll just put you in a team that you're interested in, and you can just safely just check it out and see, do I really want to hang out with these people? Um, we'll see. We'll kind of fill it out. 
It's a safe way to connect with people. And so even if you're not serving anywhere, which we want to help everybody find a place to serve. If you're not serving anywhere, come Sunday night, next Sunday, six o'clock, and we can just put you with the group and you can just listen in on what's going on. There is childcare available for this, but it's a big night. Team night is a week from today. Uh, tomorrow, we're beginning our 21-day fast together as a community. Are you ready for this? Are you ready to pray? Hopefully, you've made your decisions on what you're going to do, how you're going to approach this 21 days, what you're going to fast, what you're going to pray about and for. If not, that's okay, because we got, we got today to think and pray about it. I think God wants to speak to you. And I want to give you an opportunity at the end of the service to write down what you're believing for what you're praying for, what you're fasting for over the next 21 days. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to write it down. Down here, we got some cards down here. You'll write it on a card and you're gonna tack it to our little cork wall here at the, this is our cork altar, our cork wall altar that we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna just open it up for everyone just to write prayers and uh, just wanna invite you to come on down at the end and, and do that. But I'm excited for this next 21 days. And here's what I wanna ask all of us to pray for. You have things you're going to be praying and fasting and interceding for. That's great. But collectively, let's pray for these two things. Let's pray for a burden and boldness. These two things, a burden and boldness. Let's pray that God would give me, us individually, but us collectively also, a burden for those who don't know Jesus. And let's ask God to give us greater boldness to share Jesus with other people. So it's a burden and it's boldness. Those are rooted in two scriptures. And I want to look at these two scriptures for us right now, just so you know where they came from, why we're praying these. Matthew 9, verse 35. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. He healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him, ask him to send more workers into his fields. You can see Jesus was moved with compassion. He had a heart. He had a burden for people as he looked out over the crowd of people. Like his, there's this burden for, 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 that Jesus had for them to know him, to walk in relationship with him. So I would love for us to pray for a burden. God, give me a burden to see people the way you see them. Give me a burden for those who don't know you. And Lord, I just wanna be one of those workers as well. You can pray that as a part of this. God, I wanna respond with my burden to be one of those workers to go out into the harvest field. Did you notice that Jesus didn't say pray for the harvest? He said pray for workers. Pray for workers. And so let's just say, God, I'm gonna be one of those workers. I'll be one of them. And I'm, I'm asking that you would send more out. Would you stir up the faith of my friends at Rivers Church and send them out into the harvest as well? Let's pray for a burden for those who don't know Jesus. The boldness comes from Acts chapter 4, verse 29 and 30. And now, so what's happened actually in this story here in, in chapter 4, the church has been birthed. Peter and John, they prayed for somebody. He was healed. They're causing an uproar. They're preaching about Jesus. The religious people didn't like them preaching about Jesus. And so they got arrested. They stood trial. They slapped him on the hands. They say, stop talking about Jesus. And they said, um, God bless you, but we won't. And they went back to the church people and they rejoiced that they were facing persecution. And then they prayed this prayer. This is the prayer they prayed. This is part of it at least. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants Great boldness in preaching your word. 
Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I want us to pray for greater boldness. Let's echo the prayers of the first church in, in that prayer meeting right there. Let's pray Acts 4, 29 and 30. And here's what I want to ask us to do. is part of the, the goal for us to create lives that are centered on Jesus. Let's, let's take some time and stop a couple times a day and let's seek Jesus and let's pray all together at the same time. So at 935, which is connection to Matthew 9, 35 through 38, Let's use that address and put it to the clock. At 9.35 through 38, for those four minutes, let's pray for God to give us a burden, a burden for people that don't know him. So you can do it at a.m. or p.m. or both if you want. Whatever you want to do. But let's, let's do that collectively. Something together we can do. 9.35 through, through 9.38. Let's just take some time, four minutes, just to pray. God, give me a, bold, a burden. Give us a burden. And Lord, I want to be one of those workers that you send out into the harvest. And then at 429 to 430, for those two minutes right there, let's stop. We can do it at p.m. If you want to do it at a.m., if you're up at that time, awesome. I won't probably be up at that time, but I will agree with you in my sleep. <laughs> 429 and 30, let's pray God give us a boldness. Let's pray that. Let's pray scripture. Let's, pray, let's echo that prayer. God, stretch out your hand to perform miraculous deeds. Let's pray that God would give us not just a burden, but a boldness to step out and pray for people, share our faith with people, and that we would see God perform miracles because of our boldness. God already can perform miracles. He's waiting for you and I to ask. And so this is just a, a thing we can do together as a community over the next 21 days. Let's maybe put some reminders on your phone to stop and pray at those times. That's what I've done, is put those into my phone. I've scheduled them into the day. The little alert will go off and remind me. I'm gonna pray for whatever it is at that time. And so let's do that for the next 21 days. Again, we wanna invite you to come and join us Tuesday night. And what we wanna do Tuesday night is, if you wanna show up at 6.30 and eat food, which could help a lot of you, uh, we wanna be able to feed everybody and we, we wanna provide that for you. So if you would like to help provide that for us, if you wanna help pay and support people to come to the prayer meeting and eat some food, we would let, let us know if you want to um, help financially provide that for people. I just think it'd be kind of a cool thing for us to do together. Just let's come and eat together, 6.30, and then we can pray, 7 to 8, and be a part of Tuesday Night Prayer. Let's, let's do this together. It'd be super fun. By the way, we're doing that for the next three weeks. Uh, during our 21-day fast, during the next three weeks, we'll, we'll just really do this meal come together and pray on Tuesday nights, and there is childcare available. So if you're thinking, what do I do with my kids? Bring them here, we'll take care of your kids for you, and you can pray with us. So that all begins, the 21-day fast all begins tomorrow. And I look forward to seeing what God's gonna do in your life. I wanna hear about it. I think we're right now on the beginning of God doing some really profound and powerful new things in our lives and in our church. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? So I have wrestled with a lot of what I'm about to say today, but I think there's a word that we need to, we need to receive as, as a church. And I just wanna encourage you to posture your hearts to receive this today. So I think all of us need to, to receive this. And I wanna start it with looking at this 
passage in Corinthians that Paul says just really a few things to the Corinthian church that I think applies to the church today. Paul said this. He said, I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. I believe this is a word for us in our church culture today, because let's be real and be honest. We live in a day and age where we are addicted to wise and persuasive words. We have centered our churches all around this clever and persuasive speeches that Paul talks about. And people choose the church that they go to based upon if it's clever and persuasive enough. And we, and okay, preaching is so important, guys. So important. But uh, we need to do it. We need to have a shift within how we do church, how we, how we do this little ecclesia thing together. And let's not be all about wise or clever and persuasive speeches. And let's not gauge everything on, like, is the sermon good or not good? I don't, let me just say this to you. Don't tell me whether the sermon was good or not good. You typically don't tell me if it's not good, and I appreciate that. (laughs) Oftentimes, hey, that was good, that was good. Don't tell me it was good. Can I just say this? Anytime God's word is proclaimed, it's good. Can we agree to that? Like, this word, this is eternal truth right here. Maybe it didn't come across very cleverly or persuasive, but it was good. So don't tell me it was a good message. My goal is not to ever give a good message, by the way. But here's always been my prayer, a little insight into me. I always pray that God would impart something into people. I don't want to impress anybody. I pray for an impartation, not to impress people. But there's a pressure for pastors in our Western culture to impress There's a pressure for us to have clever and persuasive speeches. And Paul, isn't this fascinating what Paul said 2,000 years ago? That wasn't what I did. Like, I wasn't even a very good preacher. You guys know that. But the power of God was there. Hmm. And I love that he says this. He says, I did this so that you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Let's declare right now, from this moment on, we are not going to rely on human wisdom. You are not going to rely on me or the words that I say or don't say. You, we are going to rely on the power of God alive and at work in our life. That's what you need. You don't need clever and persuasive speeches. You don't need human wisdom. You need the power of God in your life. That's what we all long for, right? That's what we want to see in this church. So I believe in this next season. God's going to do something new, and God's going to really release a new prayer in your life. A new prayer is going to be released as you lean into the season of prayer and fasting over the next 21 days. You probably heard about this incident that took place last Monday night. Uh, It happened at Monday Night Football. Even if you're not a football fan or a sports fan, you probably heard about this because it was, really was a big deal. And it was tragic. Jamar Hamlin, he, he collapsed right in the middle of the first quarter of the Monday Night Football game. And I remember turning on the television. I hadn't been watching the game. We were doing some stuff, and I wanted to check on the game. How's the game going? So I turned it on, and it was about 20 minutes after Demar had collapsed, and I just was glued to the television as I'm watching. Like, what on earth is going on? Because 
they weren't sure if they were going to keep the game going, what they were going to do. They were trying to make a decision. They finally decided just to cancel the game or postpone the game. And then they decided to cancel the game. And they kept showing these images of what had been taking place over the last 20 minutes as they had carted DeMar off in the ambulance. And there was the team there on the football field praying. And so that's the first image I saw when I turned on the television. I thought, something's happening. Something big is happening right now. And praise God, DeMar actually woke up. We found out he had a cardiac arrest right in the middle of the game. And it was scary. All the teammates were just broken. They're like, they, they had no desire to play football at that point, which is understandable. Because in that moment, it became about a human life, not about a football game. And so that's why they decided, forget the game, and they just were not in a place to play. And, and so it, it's such a big deal that you probably heard about it this week. And so all of America was praying, and you saw even more images of people, on, football players on football fields, kneeling and praying. Isn't it interesting when we hit these moments in life where tragedy strikes, we don't know what to do, we don't know where to go. There's this inborn human nature to hit our knees and cry out to God. Isn't that interesting? Some of these people are believers. Some of them, like, they kind of believe in God, but maybe they, they're, they're not active in their faith. They're not really pursuing God, following Jesus, but they believe in him. So, okay, I'm going to pray right now. Some of them may not even believe in God, but what are they doing? They're on their knees, and they're crying out to some sort of divine power. There's something within us that knows this is how I need to respond in these moments that do not make sense and that I don't want to face. We hit our knees. And just love that because it is a picture of human nature and it shows us we need God. We need God. And if we want to, if we're going to see a Jesus movement, if you really want to see a Jesus movement, it will not happen unless you and I hit our knees and cry out to God. If you want God to birth something new in your life, then it's not going to happen going through the same old, same old motions that you've been going through. You and I need to hit our knees and cry out to God. And I think now more than ever before, let's not wait for tragedy to strike. Maybe you're going through some tough stuff and you're already, I'm already there. Maybe not. Let's just hit our knees and let's cry out to God for him to move in a new way in our life. And as we do, I just really believe he's going to release some new things in your life. There's going to, he's going to release a new prayer in your life. That's what he did for Hannah. He released a new prayer in, in Hannah's life. And as we look at this story, here's what I think God is speaking to us. God is looking for Hannah's to birth Samuel's for this generation. And when I say that, I'm not meaning physically. <laughs> yeah, some of you are like, yeah, no, no, no. Some of you are like, no way, been there, done that, or I'm a dude, not even possible. So much of what's physical in the Old Testament is actually spiritual in the New Testament. And that's, I'm speaking spiritually right now. God's looking for some Hannahs to birth some Samuels. God's looking for some men and women of God that are willing to, to train, develop, disciple, raise up the next generation of leaders for his kingdom. He's looking for some spiritual fathers, some spiritual mothers that will put their arms around somebody and says, I'm with you. I got you. We can do this together. That's what he's looking for. Where are the Hannahs in this generation that are willing to cry out to God and say, I, wanna, I want you to use me to raise up the next generation of leaders? So let's look at this story about Hannah. The only thing we know about Hannah is that she's barren. That's all we know. She's barren. She cannot produce children. 
And to be barren in that day and age was not a good thing. She was looked down upon. Your value as a woman was based upon your ability to produce children. If you don't produce children, something's wrong with you. God must not love you. You must be cursed. And so that was what we know about Hannah. She, she could not bear children, but Penina could. The other wife could, which we can just pause right there and acknowledge the odd in this story, right? There's two, there's two wives, right? Okay, like what? what's up with two wives? Uh, yes, that's weird, I know. And it's not what God wanted. It wasn't part of his plan, but unfortunately, you see it a lot in the Old Testament. Like these dudes had way too many wives, and it wasn't what God wanted them to do. I don't know why they did it. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's a lot of guys that be like, I wouldn't mind a few wives. That's great. That sounds good. Maybe there's people that still think that way. That's, I guess I could see that. <laughs> but um, it is a little odd. So I just wanted to acknowledge the odd uh, of this story. Two wives, what is up with that? Is that okay? Is that normal? Is that real? No, it's not. But it was culturally acceptable in that day and age somewhat. And so, yes, Elkanah had two wives. Penina had children. Hannah did not. Penina loved to rub it in the face of Hannah. Like, year after year after year, it tells us. She would remind Hannah of what she didn't have. And so she probably would have said things like, I'm so glad God loves me. He must love me more than he loves you. I wonder what you've done to not be blessed by God. I'm so glad that I don't have to be like you, I don't have to carry the shame of not having any children. I'm blessed by God. Like she surely would have said things like that constantly to Hannah. Because we're, we read that year after year, she provoked her. Uh, some translations calls Penina the rival. Her rival would say these things to her. And so let's look at a couple of verses again that speak to that. First Samuel chapter one, verse six. So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. So you can see this is a big deal for Hannah. Like this is really bothering her. She is struggling. She's in pain. Tremendous amount of internal, emotional Pain. I love what Pastor John Mark said earlier, something to the effect that, you know, that, that God will meet you in that place of pain. He's there for you and I in that place of pain. This is where Hannah was, in this tremendous place of pain. Even though the husband loved her more than he loved the other wife, we see that clearly, but it doesn't seem to help, right? Like Hannah is still struggling. Thanks and all that you love me more, but I want children. So she's obviously struggling. And what's interesting in the story is that twice we're told that God had closed her womb, that God had done this. And so that's just, it's been adding to the pain and the pressure that she is facing year after year after year after year. No answer while she's seeking God, all the while she's being mocked by Penina. Can you imagine being mocked by, this, by the person who has the very thing that you're longing for? Imagine how pain, just, just the pain of not birthing children was a lot for her already. Now she's being mocked by the person who has what she wants. That's like adding insult to injury, like we would say, right? That's just adding to this. And 
Can I just like pause right here in the side note? Like if you got some paninas in your life, you need to get rid of them. Like people that are reminding you of everything you don't have and what you need to have and who you should be and you need to look like this and act like this. No, 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 no. Just, say, just kind of quietly excuse yourself from that relationship. Because you and I don't need paninas in our life speaking those things over us, all right? So Hannah's in this, this, this tough place. She longs for a child, but she's not seeing it. You know, everyone wants to see a miracle, but no one wants to be in a place to need a miracle. Isn't that true? I love seeing miracles, love hearing about miracles, but I hate it when I'm in that place where I actually need one because it's painful. It hurts. We're full of questions. We're full of doubts. We're full of like, like, what? This doesn't make sense. God, I don't like this. We love miracles, but we don't ever want to be in a place to need them. If you're there, when you're there, we're all going to be there. Just know that God sees you. He cares about you, and he still performs miracles. We can trust him for miracles. That's who he is, it's what he does. He's the miracle worker. And so it's important that when we find ourselves in that place, we still trust him to do what only he can do, perform miracles. Keep seeking him. Keep trusting him. Don't give up. That's what Hannah does. So jump to verse nine. Verse nine says, once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli, the priest, was sitting at his customary place besides the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. So what you see taking place for Hannah here is a shift in how she prays. She'd been praying for a son year after year after year after year. All of a sudden, there's a new prayer that she speaks. All of a sudden, a new prayer is released for whatever reason inside of her, and it's a prayer of dedication. Her commitment to the Lord is coming out in this prayer. Like, God, I'm going to commit the results into your hands. Lord, if you will give me a son, I'll give him back to you. If you'll, if you'll answer this prayer, I will give you the glory and give, I, basically, I will release control to you. That's what Hannah's doing. I am, I, I'm at the end of myself in, in coming to you and giving you control of the results and the answer. That's where Hannah's at the end of herself. And sometimes it's good for us to get to the end of ourself. Yeah. It's when we reach that place where at the end of ourself, that God can begin to do a new beginning in our life. I think sometimes God waits for us to get to that place. Yeah. Well, you've been trying your own way for a long time. How's that working for you? How you doing with that? Okay, now I love you. I love you so much. Let me step in and show you what I have for you. Sometimes it takes us getting to the end of ourself to get to that place. It's like, okay, God, I relinquish control. Because we've been praying and believing for God, but we have this expectation of how exactly he is going to answer this, right? And this is how you're going to do it, God. And we just got to get to this place where, God, I trust you. With the results, I relinquish control. And that's really what Hannah is doing here. That's what happens when you and I come to faith in Jesus, right? At that moment of salvation, it's really a moment where I'm just relinquishing control. Where Jesus reveals himself to us, and we realize he's real. 
He loves me. He, I am a sinner, and he did die for my sins on the cross. Jesus, I need to repent of my sins and ask for forgiveness, and I commit to following you. That there's a moment there that we have to reach the end of ourselves, and we realize, God, I need you. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. And I'm going to live for you now. And there's going to be times in our life where that has to happen over and over and over and over again. We've got to reach the end of ourselves so that we can just trust God for what he wants to do. In some ways, I would say that's what we're doing right now as a church. God, we don't want to do this on our own strength in our own ways. We're at the end of ourselves, and we're just trusting you, God. We're giving you control. I heard one guy say that, I wonder if the whole pandemic thing was basically Jesus saying, can I have my church back? <laughs> so we just want to respond to, yes, Jesus, we give you full control of how you want us to live and who you want us to be, how you want us to function as a church and live out this ecclesia thing. It's coming to the end of ourselves. And uh, that's, where, that's where Hannah's at. And as she reaches the end of herself, it's a new prayer that she prays. Okay, God, I'm actually going to stop making this all about me, and I'm going to make this about you. That's the prayer she prays. You realize that. It, it, the, this new prayer that she prays is not about her kingdom, about his kingdom. It's not about her will, but it's about his will. That's what's taking place here. This, it's a new prayer. It's a shift. I think God's going to birth some new prayers inside of you and me, and it's going to be more about his will than our will. It's going to be about him getting glory and not me and not my plans for my life. And, and I'm, it's going to be more about him and, and trusting God for what he wants to do in my life. That's what God wants to do this year in these next few weeks. Because I think God wants to answer your prayers, but I think he wants to maybe answer them differently. Maybe that's why he hasn't answered them yet, because it's going to come out differently than you expected. That's what happened for Hannah. Hannah just wanted a son, but God was looking for a prophet to lead his people. She just was praying for a boy. She didn't realize God was working something bigger. You, know, you ever notice how when God answers your prayers differently, his difference is always better? God's different is always better. That's why I like, let's get used to different because if it's God's different, it is always better than what you and I anticipated. And so God had a different way to answer Hannah's prayer, but it was way better than she could have ever, ever dreamed. God was looking for a prophet to lead his plan. My family, my kids, my future, my finances, my, these decisions, my job, my career, my ministry, my everything. I trust you. We're coming to the end of ourselves and saying, this is more about you than about me. You know that, that that's what prayer is? Prayer is really meant to connect you and I to God's will. That's what prayer is. And sometimes we get it confused. We think that prayer is like, hey, God, I need to tell you what to do. Hey, God, let me tell you what the will of my life is. And uh, that's, we're kind of confusing prayer a little bit, right? Like last week, if you listen to the message or you're here last week, we looked at Mary and Martha. There's a moment where Martha is so frustrated. She's busy, busy doing stuff, preparing all this kind of stuff. And she's cooking all the euros and, and Mary's doing nothing, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she looks at Jesus and she says, Jesus, tell, tell her to help me. It's like, sometimes we do that with our prayers. Hey, Lord, this is what you need to do. Hey, I know what the will, what, I know what your will is for my life in this situation. So, and here's what it is, by the way, in case you don't, don't know, and you need to do it. 
And so we pray those types of prayers. God, you need to fix this situation. God, you need to fix that person. You need to change them because they're hurting me. They're doing these things. And, and, and so we just think this all about our will, but real prayer is connecting us to God's will. And oftentimes the way God answers our prayers, again, is different, but so many times what, how he answers it is he starts with us. He wants to change us. He wants to do a work like he wants to transform us from the inside out. You see, true prayer changes us before it changes the world around us. True prayer changes us before it changes the world around us. So let's, let's get inward focused and let, hey God, do a work in me. These next three weeks, as we pray and, pray and fast, do a work and change me, transform me. God, do a greater thing in me. Let it start with me. Hey, we want to see a movement, a mighty movement of Jesus moving in and through our church and our city. God, let it start with me. So here's why I think this story is important for us, because I think there's a parallel between this story and the church today. I think that just like Hannah, who was barren, there's a barrenness in the church today. We see God moving. We see, we see some miracles. We see some lives being changed, and we praise God for that. But I believe with all my heart that God is wanting to use you and me more and more, that he wants to see more salvations, that he wants to see more miracles take place, that he wants to see a movement take place in our city, but he's waiting for you and I to really respond to him, to seek him, to come after him. But we're, we're basically acting like Penina. I'm good. And if we're honest with ourselves, some of us might say, I identify more with Penina than Hannah. But we gotta realize maybe we are Hannah, we're, we're barren. But there's a lot of Peninas in the church today where we just are content with all of our blessings and we're good. You think about Penina, you look at her and she was very comfortable with where she was at. And not only was she comfortable, but she was comparing herself to the other wife, the other woman. And it, it created this competitive spirit so much so that she constantly let Hannah know how worthless she was. That's what comparison does. Comparison leads us to have this competitive spirit. And we think as long as I'm better than so-and-so, I'm good. And sometimes we just settle for that. I'm good. I'm okay, I'm comfortable. And I think that we've come to this place where we think the blessings of power and power of God are found in me living a comfortable, blessed life. And can I just say that God's power and God's blessings are gonna come more through uncomfortable things than comfortable things. And we can find ourselves acting like Penina where it's like, I'm good. We don't realize we're barren. We're barren. And I've prayed and I've wrestled with this for so, all week long, guys. This is why I said, Lord, open our hearts to receive what you have for us. Is your heart still open? <laughs> you, you, you ready? Because I think this month, God's gonna speak some things to us that we are finally ready to hear, to receive. And I don't think that you need clever and persuasive speech right now. I think you need to walk in and experience the power of God. So this last summer, we had this series called Imperfect People, Perfect God. 
and different people with different leaders in our church, they got up, they shared their story, and just, it was really cool to hear their stories. And we encouraged all of us, write out your story, share your faith, share your story with people. Every single Sunday for like nine weeks, we told people, write out your story. Here's a tool, here's a resource. You can write out your story. And oh, by the way, practice it and send us your story. Email us your story. We wanna hear your stories because we wanna gather all the stories of how Jesus has changed your life. We want to put a book together of all the lives that have been transformed by Jesus. That's what we want to do. And you want to know how many people gave us their story of how Jesus changed their life? In nine weeks, zero. Now, I know that doesn't mean that he didn't do it. I know that doesn't mean that you haven't thought about it. But can I just be honest? When I got back from my sabbatical last summer, and I said, hey, how many stories have we collected now? Hey, do we have any stories? Is anybody sharing their faith? Is anybody, uh, what's going on? What's happening? That was the, the, the biggest question I had, and it was nothing. My heart sank. And here's what everyone t- said to me. Oh, Tyrone, you, you, church was awesome. While you were gone all those weeks, man, church was amazing. It was awesome. I'm like, okay. Did anybody share their faith? Was there any salvations? Did we get any, collect any story? Like nothing. And my heart sank, guys, because I thought if all we were concerned about was Sunday morning went good while pastor was on sabbatical, we're not a church. I wasn't going to say that till next week, but I said it today. (laughs) And I don't say this to guilt us. That is not my heart at all, guys. I say this because I believe God has been stirring some things within me for the last six months that he's preparing us to hear because he longs for you to be the follower of Jesus that you were created to be. I believe with all my heart that God has an incredible adventure for you. That, That your life will be so far from boring and mundane if you and I just let God fill us with his spirit and lead us constantly. And if we are gonna be the church then it's not going to be about this moment. It's going to be about what God does in your life tomorrow. That's church. And I just think that God has an incredible adventure for you this year. You ready to step into that? That's why I share this, because I just want to see us have a ton of fun watching God do awesome things. That's what I want to see us do. That's what I long for us as a church, that we would be the church. So maybe some of you did write out your story. You just didn't email it to us. Go ahead and email it to us this week. That'd be great. Uh, so maybe you've never done, done taken the time to write out your story, and we can maybe put that resource out again. But here's what I know. If, if, if you haven't written it out and you haven't practiced it, the chances are you're probably not sharing your, your story of how Jesus has changed your life. This is what I've seen throughout the years. And I want to equip you. My job isn't to give you clever and persuasive speeches that make you feel good. My job is to equip you to be the mighty man and woman of God that you're called to be so that you can share the power of Jesus alive and at work in your life and so that your story changes somebody else's life and their story is changed because Jesus changed their life because Jesus changed your life. That's what I want to see. Huh, okay. So I wonder if we're more like Penina in this story. We are Hannah, but God is saying, I'm looking for Hannahs. I'm looking for some Hannahs that are willing to raise up the next generation of leaders 
disciples, to take some people under their arms, under their wings and say, come and follow me as I follow Jesus and let's change the world together and watch Jesus do his thing. We need more spiritual mothers and fathers in the church. That's what we need. Not people who just go through the motions. I, I, I believe God's gonna release a new prayer in these next few weeks. And for some of us, it's gonna be more and more kingdom-minded. It's gonna be God stirring you to step out of your comfort zone and do some things that you and I are called to do by Jesus in his word and be the follower of Jesus we're called to be. And as we do that, the power of God is gonna move in and through your life. Don't you want that? Don't you want more of that? Shouldn't it be more about the stories about what God is doing through us and not just about, oh, the sermon was good on Sunday. That is not the sign of our good church. Like, we can, we can perfect that. I'm all for good communication. I'm all for that. That's, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Let's be clear on that. But let's just be the church. And so I just want us to pray for this in the next 21 days, guys, that God would give us a burden for people who don't know Jesus. And God would fill us with boldness. Boldness to share our faith. Boldness to step out and let the power of God move through our life. That's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm believing for for us. And God's going to release some new things and a new prayer in your life. Hey guys, let's go after Jesus. This movement's going to be about him, not about you or me. This movement's not going to be about a Sunday morning gathering. It's a Jesus movement. That's what's Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.